Well, it's always an honour to preach the Word of God, but there's nothing quite like preaching at your home church. I remember when I first preached my first ever sermon at another church, Spike asked me if I was scared. I told him, well, a little bit, but not really. Because I knew that if I did terribly, no one would remember me anyway. But when you preach at your home church, and you're usually on the worship team, there's nowhere for you to hide if you don't deliver. But seriously, in, in all seriousness, you guys have always been incredibly gracious and encouraging whenever I serve, so thank you so much. For those of you who are new to One Hope, my name is Boaz, and I'm delighted that you're here with us today. Because today we're gonna look at a chapter that's really dear to my heart. We're gonna look at um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But before we do, I want us to imagine something for a moment. Imagine if every body part on you had a mind of its own. Imagine if your eyes, your ears, your mouth, your hands, your feet, every body part decided for itself what it wanted to do. What do you think might happen? <laughs> I can hear most of you thinking, wow, it would be chaos. Well, the more optimistic ones out there are probably imagining, oh, it could be interesting. But I think all of us would ultimately agree that it is probably a bad idea. Because what if your ears decided that it's heard enough? And so now you can't hear anymore. Or maybe your hands didn't like the way that your legs walked yesterday. And so today it refuses to help you put on your shoes. I had food poisoning not too long ago and I really had no appetite to eat. But if my bored mouth had its way, it would have downed some deliciously gut-wrenching fish and chips, destroying my insides once more. <laughs> what about your tongue? What if your tongue decided, enough is enough? You know, it's always dark and damp in here. I'm out of here. And so it removes itself from your body and just hops away. How long do you reckon it will survive on its own? Now we can, we all ridicule at how ridiculous these scenarios are because no healthy body behaves this way. At a very fundamental level, we can all appreciate that a healthy body with all its many parts somehow work together harmoniously for its own good. And yet sometimes we Christians forget this. We forget that we, as a church, are actually the body of Christ, obeying and submitting to the will of the head, the head being Jesus Christ. And Paul tells us this in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27, he says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. If you've never read 1 Corinthians 12 before, I'm glad that you're here because it's such an incredibly relevant chapter for us as a church. Here, Paul addresses the issue of spiritual gifts throughout the chapter. But perhaps more importantly, how all that fits into the context 
of the church, being the body of Christ. And while we can't go through everything that Paul discusses, let's make note of three things. Three points that concern every Christian in the church. So firstly, the first point we can make is that every Christian has a spirit-given gift. In verse seven, it reads, now to each one or to each Christian, the manifestation of the spirit or the evidence of the spirit or the revealing of the spirit is given for the common good. Now simply put, the phrase manifestation of the spirit are the spiritual gifts that he gives. The fact that you have spiritual gifts in your life reveals the presence of the Spirit within you because it is He who gives it to you. The gifts that He gives reveal His presence. And we know that from verse four. It says there are different kinds of gifts, but who gives these gifts? It is the same Spirit who distributes them. So we might read verse seven as, now to each one or to each Christian, Spiritual gifts, which reveal the presence of the Spirit in your life, are given for the common good. To each Christian, are spiritual gifts given. But you might ask, okay, great, fine. No, I understand that. All Christians have spiritual gifts. But what are these spiritual gifts? Well, for a start, if they are gifts that are given by the Spirit to Christians only, then there must be a difference between what is common human ability, like musical talent and leadership, and Spirit-empowered ability. And if I had to take it down to a distinction between the two, I would suggest that ultimately, all spiritual gifts point towards Jesus. So if your spiritual gift is to teach, then you teach with a sound understanding of the Bible that points the way to Jesus. If your gift is to serve, then you serve as Jesus did. If your gift is to lead others, then you lead people towards Christ. All spiritual gifts point the way to Jesus. And by the way, if you're wondering if there might be a list of spiritual gifts somewhere in the Bible, there are actually four places that Paul mentions them. Two can be found here in this chapter, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses eight to nine, and then later on in 28 to 30. And then two more are found in Romans chapter 12, verses six to eight, and Ephesians 4, 11. Take a photo, take a screenshot, write this down quickly if you want to read through each of this, these gifts later on, because we don't have time to go through every gift here today. However, we will talk briefly about what you might be able to do to identify your gift later on. But for now, just note that every Christian has a Spirit-given gift. And secondly, every Christian has a sovereignly issued gift. Earlier, we read in verse 27, it says, now you are the body of Christ and each of you is a part of it. For some of you, up until today, you've never realized this. And now it makes so much more sense after all that you've seen and heard. 
But for the rest of you, I know, I know. You've heard all this before. You know all this. But did you know that your gift, your heart, your passions were all intentionally placed in you and planned out by God? Did you know that your gift was carefully chosen by God and placed in your life? Think about it. Your desire to serve others, your heart to help the needy, your, your, your ability to discern right from wrong, your incredible sense of faith and trust in God, whatever your gift, the gift God has equipped you with was customized and labeled to be operated by you. Of all people, God chose you. And not only that, it's not an accident that you are part of this church or if you're just visiting a part of your church. It's not an accident because it says so in Scripture. Have a look at verses 4 to 6. The NIV reads, there are different kinds of gifts. And in verse 5, there are different kinds of service. And again in verse 6, there are different kinds of working. What? What are you talking about, Boaz? Where does it say that it's not an accident that we are part of this church? Well, hang on. Just follow me for a second. The word different kinds, it's, it's great. It's a great translation. But unfortunately, it doesn't capture the fullness of the Greek word that Paul uses here. In other English versions of the Bible, they render it as there are varieties of gifts or diversities of gifts, which are, again, great. But it misses something larger here. Let me explain. While this Greek word isn't used anywhere else in the New Testament, the same root word as a verb or as an action word can be found in our story of the prodigal son. You know the story, right? A father has two sons, and the, the younger son asks the father for his share of the inheritance. And so in Luke 15, verse 12, it reads that the younger one said to the father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So the father, and here's our word, divided his property between them. So we have a picture of something that is whole. Or in this case, the father's property being divided up between them. In the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, the same Greek verb can be found in Genesis 32, verse 7. And this time it's of Jacob. Jacob is reconciling with his brother Esau, who he had angered more than 20 years ago. And so it reads, in great fear and distress, Jacob, and here's our word again, divided the people who were with him into two groups. Here we have a large body of people that Jacob divides into two groups. It's more than just different kinds of people, but a division of a whole body of people. Now take this understanding of the word to, be, to, to mean something whole 
and taking, putting it into different parts and having different divisions. And I think we can better appreciate what verses four to six means here. Have a look again in verse four. It says there are different kinds of gifts. But if we understand the word to take something whole and dividing it up, we might better understand this verse as saying there is a division of gifts or there's an allocation of gifts to different individuals. It's like this bicycle, for example. Thanks, Sally. I'm pretty sure most of us would have seen a bicycle before. But I think we can all appreciate that this bicycle has many parts to it, right? You've got the handle, you've got the frame, you've got the bell, you've got the seat, the pedals, the wheels, many different parts. And if you were the designer, planning and crafting this bicycle to do everything that you want it to do, you need every part here. Every part was carefully determined and selected to make up this bicycle. It's not a fluke or an accident that these parts are here. No, in fact, every part here was assembled onto this bicycle. There are no spare parts. There are no extra parts. But if you went to a bicycle workshop, however, you find a large collection of parts there. You have handles and frames and seats and bells and wheels, all sorts of parts. But not only that, you have different kinds of parts as well. You have handles that are longer, shorter handles, different size frames, larger frames, smaller frames, different size wheels, different kinds of parts, different sizes. Or in this case, in the NIV's rendering, different kinds of gifts. But to make up one bicycle, to make up one church, there's a division of parts that make up the whole. There's an allocation of gifts that make up the church. There are no spare parts. No one here is surplus to requirements. No healthy body has a third arm. No, every Christian, every gift here in this church was specifically and sovereignly selected to play a role. There's a heavy sovereign hand over the placement of each Christian here in this church. And Paul makes certain of that in verse 18. He says, but in fact, God has placed the parts of the body every one of them just as he wanted them to be how amazing is that give it to our god to not leave things up to chance no your being here is not an accident your gift is hardly a coincidence no every christian has a sovereignly issued gift and thirdly, every Christian has an unworldly gift. What do I mean by unworldly? Earlier I, I said that all spiritual gifts 
point the way to Jesus, which is sometimes not hard to see. As, as preachers, we have the privilege to stand up front, to preach the Word of God. As leaders, we lead people towards Christ. These gifts are unworldly in the sense that we don't use them for our own benefit, for our own gain. But in all honesty, it is so easy to be drawn into the illusion that being in a position of prominence equals being necessary. It's so easy to be drawn into the illusion embraced by the world to decorate those of influence and significance. But did you know that there are parts of the body of Christ that are, in Paul's words, indispensable? In verse 21, Paul uses the eye and the head as a way of subtly rebuking those who see themselves as spiritually superior. And so it reads in verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Seem to be weaker to whom, Paul? Seem to be weaker to the world. Weaker according to the standards of the world. But hold on to that thought for a moment. Verse 23, and again we read, the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. What is Paul saying here? He's not saying that there are parts that are of less value. No, he, he's not urging us to make ourselves seem to be weaker or appear less presentable. He's not even trying to rank parts with some being more superior than others. No, what Paul is doing here is flipping the value system of the world on its head. While the world places value and worth on individuals who can hold an audience, who are socially enviable, who, who you power and influence and ability, the body of Christ places value on the parts that seem to be weaker or less presentable. Did you know that there is a doctor in our church who serves in our cleaning team? Now that is a wonderful way of using your life to point towards Jesus. Because while the world deems cleaning as something only the, the weak would do, these are the parts of the body that are indispensable. David Parsons once wrote that in March 1981, US President Reagan was shot and hospitalized for several weeks. And although Reagan was the nation's chief executive, his hospitalization had little impact on the nation's activity. Government continued on, people went about their lives. But on the other hand, suppose the garbage collectors Suppose if they went on strike, what would happen? Cities would not only be in a literal mess, 
But piles of decaying rubbish and trash would quickly become a health hazard. A three-week nationwide strike would paralyze the country. So who would you say is indispensable? The president or the garbage collectors? While those of us who stand on this platform to sing and to preach and to anchor are important and are still part of the church, the indispensable parts of the body of Christ are away from what everybody else can see. Did you realize that while those of us who have the privilege to be up here are important to the church, that we can be replaced? Think about it. Like our hands, while not ideal to live without, our worship team can be replaced with a recording of another church's worship team, as many churches do. Again, like our eyes, while not ideal to live without, but our preachers can be replaced with a recording of a guest speaker somewhere else in the world. But like our heart, the indispensable parts of the body is what happens between the pews. It's the prayer and the encouragement and even reproof that takes place out there that are indispensable. Yeah, the cleaning of the toilets, the vacuuming, the stacking of dirty cups and dishes. They're the things that happen behind the scenes during the week when you prepare a meal for someone in need or when you write a word of encouragement for someone really down or when you take the time to care for someone who's hurting and lonely. These are the parts of the church that are indispensable. The heart of the church is the selfless and unworldly love and care that we have for one another. That is indispensable. Because take them away and we are a church no more. Take them away and we are the body of Christ no longer. But ultimately, every Christian has an unworldly gift. As I was preparing this message, I knew that we would only be skimming the surface of what is a rich chapter about God's work in the body of Christ, the church. And, but I asked myself, if I had to boil it down to just one point of application, just one thing for us to take away, what might that be? If I had to choose something that is simple enough for us to remember, but practically irreplaceable in the life of the church, it would be these three words. It is to simply run your lane. Verse 17 reads, if the whole body were an eye, where would your sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But remember, God has placed these parts of the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. If you are a Christian here today, God has given you a spirit-given gift that is not random 
or unimportant, but sovereignly issued. You play a vital role somewhere in this church. Maybe your kid's ministry helper or someone who looks to encourage and help those in need or someone with a, a passion for evangelism. Whatever your gift, God has equipped you with it and entrusted it into your hands. You don't need to do what Matt does. You don't need to do what Sally or, or Stu does. No, they'll do them. You do you. Because God has given you what He needs you to do. But maybe some of you are thinking, oh, you know, I can play the drums a little bit. Oh, I can sing and, and, and all that, but you know, I'm nowhere as good as Hayden on the drums or, or Lockie or Anna who sings so beautifully. I think it's best if I just let them do it, not me. If this is you, do you know what? Paul actually talks about you. Have a look in verse 15. He says, now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. Or to paraphrase it, now if, if you should say, oh, because I can't do what Hayden does on the drums, I, I, I cannot contribute. It would not for that reason stop you from being part of the body. They're running their lanes. Hayden is running his lane. Lockie and Anna, they're, they're, they're running their lane. You run yours. You bring what you bring. Because just like a body, a body part that, like a hand, that is inactive and unwilling to move, unless you bring yourself to your lane, the whole body is worse off for it. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, in order to do all that, you don't need to have a certain level of skill. Right? You still need to know which end of the drumstick to hold or to be able to hold a tune before you, you get mic'd up. But the point is that you bring yourself and run your, your race. Do your part because the body needs you. Or maybe some of you are thinking, oh, I want to help, but I really don't know what my gifts are. Great. I love it that you want to help. Let's start there. If you don't know what your gifts are, the best place to start is by looking at the four passages I mentioned earlier. There are two, two lists that Paul writes out all these spiritual gifts in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And two more are found in Romans 12 and then later in Ephesians 4. So have a read, check them out, see what gift that, that God might have given you with. But if you like a bit more assistance, you could do a simple online quiz, maybe one from gifts test.com just to give you an idea but if you like to learn a little bit more and to sort of understand what the different types of gifts are all about I would recommend a, a concise and easy to read book by New Testament scholar Thomas Schreiner simply titled spiritual gifts in it he has a really neat chapter on defining spiritual gifts and what they are so check that out have a read but can I suggest that when you have an idea of what your gift might be, can I suggest that you share that with someone who's close to you? Like maybe a spouse or a close friend or perhaps a church leader. Someone who knows you well 
who can then confirm if you're on the right track or maybe suggest an alternative. Just let them know. But then some of you might be thinking, you know, I would like to use my gift, but I don't see anything you know, on Sundays or seemingly have the time or energy to do something that fits with the schedule I've got. Well, if you don't see any ministries that, seem to, that might be of interest to you, you'd be pleased to know that there's a whole lot more that happens behind the scenes. So if you'd like to know more, grab a Connect card. You can find it online or out in the foyer. Just grab a Connect card. Let the church know that you'd like to learn more about the various ministries that take place around the church. Because if you want to know what God has gifted you with, or how He's gifted you for the season that you're in, you're never gonna find out by not doing anything about it. So ask and be open to where God might use you. Because as we serve together, doing our part, running our lanes, collectively we can do so much more to build God's church and to carry out Jesus' great commission to go and make disciples of all nations. But if I can speak for a moment, to those of us who haven't been to church in a while, to those of us who have only been tuning in online or have been church hopping for some time, can I just say that it's hard for you to run your lane or be part of the body if you're not connected into the body of believers? It's hard for you to use your gifts to point others towards Christ if you're not here or committed to getting involved in, in any church. But not only that, it's, it's hard for the church to build you up if you're home alone or not resolved to being challenged and urged to love and to forgive and to love and to cry and to just do life with people like Jesus did. Now, of course, I know that there are some who for legitimate reasons cannot be here. But if you know in your heart that in all honesty, you could be part of a local church, then can I encourage you? Don't be drawn into the enemy's lie that you can do church on your own. You cannot love others when you're alone. You cannot use your gifts to bless and encourage others if you're in isolation. We need each other. Just like how iron sharpens iron, no iron can sharpen itself. So come and be part of the body of Christ. As we close, you might have this question, why? Why should I do any of this? Why should I serve and use the gift that God has given me? What good is my contribution gonna have on the whole? Well, take a look at this picture. Most of us, if not all of us, would have seen something like this before. It's a picture of a jigsaw puzzle. But if you look closely, there's something missing. It's missing a piece of the puzzle. And really, without that missing piece, the picture is not complete. 
It's not whole. It's less than what it should be. You are that missing piece. Whether you realize it or not, you are a part of this body of Christ. And without you, the body is not complete. It's not whole. Because God has given you the gifts that He's given you for this very moment, right now. So what are you going to do with it? Will you take yourself away from the picture? Leaving the body less than whole? Or will you give of yourself to be part of the whole so that the world can see a beautiful picture of love and harmony between each part? Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. So Father, we pray that right now in this place, Lord God, we thank you that through your son that we have been redeemed. And because we have been redeemed, we have been made part of this body of Christ. And Father, we thank you that as Christians, you have given us all a gift, a special gift that has been customized and labeled to be operated by us. And so Lord God, if we've been serving you for some time now, week in and week out, Lord God, I thank you for all these people. And I pray that you continue to strengthen them, that you, you just reignite in them a, a greater passion and conviction for the great work that you've called them to do. But for some of us, oh God, who have been inactive for a while, who maybe have been hurt or burnt or just a bit disillusioned, whatever it is, oh God, I pray, Lord, that your word will speak truth into our lives, knowing that we belong to this body of Christ and none of us, Lord, are a third arm. And so, Lord God, wherever we are, with whatever gift we have, we pray that you use us all. Use us all, Lord God, because we don't do this for our glory, for our own gain. But Lord God, we, we pray that we use all our gifts for the glory of the Son, Jesus Christ, because that is our heart's desire. And Lord God, may the whole world know that right here in One Hope Baptist Church, there is a church and there is a body of Christ that is alive and healthy because we pray all this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.